two, testing one, two. You hear that?
Well, good morning, church. Wherever you are, join us in worship today. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a
Father, we build our life on you, Jesus. Build our life on you, Father. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. together.
And as you speak 
heavens declare the glory of God. We're so thankful for our great creator God who loves us. He loves us in such a powerful way that he gave his son to die on the cross for us and we're so thankful for that today. We're so thankful for the great grace that he has shown, the great love and mercy that he has shown. It's amazing that God looked down through eternity and he saw you and he said, I'm going to die for that one. I choose that one for my kingdom, for my family. What, what great news it is that God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We're, we're rejoicing today in everlasting life. We, we lost one of our faithful longtime church members this week, Eric Staggs, lost his battle with cancer this week, but he went on to the joys of the Lord, the great reward, the thing that we long for, the thing that we talk about, the glorious presence of our glorious God. He's there, but we are missing him. We who are left behind, those who, us who loved him and knew him, I ask you to pray for his family today, his wife and his two beautiful children, that you would pray for them, that the Lord would just comfort them with his presence. There's no easy way to deal with such pain and loss as we face the realities of death in this life. And I ask you to pray for them and be with them in, in your hearts in prayer. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a, a tough season in so many ways. You know, it's, a, it's back to school uh, for a lot of the kids that are going back to school. And we're going back to school amidst this uh, real, real confusing times. Some schools know exactly what they're going to do. Some, some, even at this late date, are still up in the air because it's hard to make a plan when they're, when they're waiting. So uh, we've got lots of teachers that are a part of our, our family. We've got, of course, a lot of students. So let's just pray right now for that. Let's pray for our students this new year. Let's pray that God will use this time, that we'll have some clarity in the next couple of weeks. Father, we thank you because... You're omnipotent, you're omniscient, you're all-powerful and all-knowing. There is nothing here that has caught you by surprise. And so you know it all. So Lord, I pray that in this season where we're in, in the world system, there's a lot of confusion. People don't know what to do. They don't know how to do it. People that are challenged with they need for their children to stay at home, but they need to be at work. So it's difficult. It's confusing. And people are struggling. And Lord, we ask you for help. We ask that you would give each of us the clarity of heart and the clarity of mind to know what to do during this season. And that your presence would be with us and be real. You don't waste anything, God. So we ask you to take this horrible situation and turn it into good. Use it, Lord, to accomplish things that we, we can't see for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, thank you for joining with us today. I'm so glad that you have joined with us online. We look forward to gathering together as uh, the body of Christ in person. In a few weeks, I'm sure that we uh, will, Lord willing, we should be able to begin to meet sometime in September. We're looking for that date. We kind of wanted to get school back together and see uh, how things looked after everybody went back to school. So, so we are looking somewhere in, the, in September, first or second week of September, we'll begin meeting. We'll be letting, of course, you know about that. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you for Courtney and Shelly for the great kids videos they continue to put online that make it easier for the kids. Thank you so much. Uh, we've, uh, we're just so blessed and we're so thankful for each one of you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for your giving that allows us to continue. And God is gracious. God is good, isn't he? 
And we just thank him for his goodness. Well, today we have, uh, have one of our team members, William Magundas, is going to come and preach the word today. So I want you to just open your heart and listen to him as he comes to minister today. Welcome, William. Yay, William. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Randy. Good morning, Life Community Church. Uh, I come up here with a heavy heart for the Staggs family. We love you. We are here for you, and we're praying for you. So, yeah. Um, when Pastor Randy asked me to uh, preach for uh, this Sunday, I was asking myself, what should I preach on? You know, and, and at the same time, I was asking the Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And uh, immediately, this, this message came to heart. It's something that uh, I've been thinking about a lot. It's been on my heart. Uh, for one reason or another, and that's what I'm bringing this morning. So, uh, basically, it is on how do you have a successful marriage? And there are plenty of resources, there are plenty of books that you can read, purchase, um, that, you can, uh, that, that will better prepare you for marriage, that can help you in marriage. And what I want to share with you this morning have been things that I've learned growing up um, as a kid that didn't have a good role model to teach me how to be a, uh, a good man or a good loving husband, um, and a lot of heartaches in between all of that. Uh, I say this with, you know, with, with a heavy heart because... Um, you know, I've, I've experienced the divorce, and that is a very, very difficult thing to go through. Um, and then now, praise God that I have a wife. We're coming up on 10 years in February. A beautiful woman. A, a God, uh, the Lord really blessed me with this woman. I, you know, there have been times where I feel like I don't, I don't deserve her you know, because of how good she is. So, uh, you know, obviously my wife, Anna Karen, I really, really am blessed because of her life. So uh, I want to start off the message with this question. Could it be possible for a couple to prepare themselves in such a way that they would be able to avoid many turmoils, heartaches, frustrations, disappointments, and fights? If they simply adequately prepare themselves to have a successful marriage. Uh, I truly believe so. I really do. Uh, what tends to happen is that we see external features and focus on those things more than internal features, such as character and personality. It's great that you just found a beautiful person or a beautiful woman or a handsome man, but what are they really like? When two people are falling in love, many times they fall into something that isn't really healthy for them. So the question that I like to ask uh, our teenagers or even younger people um, when it comes to dating, you know, having a boyfriend and girlfriend, um, what, what do you want in your future spouse? What is it that you look for uh, in that person, that special person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. And most of the time, it's like one or two things, uh, not really a good list. <laughs> you know, they just um, go by the seat of their pants, you know. And that's a really good question. What do I want in that special someone? What do I want in my spouse? You know, and it's a question that is worth just pondering on, thinking about and figuring out what it is that you want. I believe you can avoid heartbreaks if you, are, if you know what you are looking for, right? So here comes a special someone, and you're getting to know them. And immediately, if you know what you're looking for, if you know what you want, and, and that person really is, is, you know, the things that you want or, or you know, seeing that person then immediately you're going to know, why am I wasting my time, right? Because when it comes to your heart, when it comes to your mind, when it comes to your, 
your relationships, I think you would be, we would be better off avoiding those heartbreaks because you know what you want. So if you're single and ready to mingle, I would encourage you to work on a list of things that you would like uh, for that, for your future spouse. Um, that's exactly what I did. I don't know where I heard this. It might have been through a message. It might have been, um, you know, a, a sermon. I cannot remember. You know, it's been years ago. I've slept a lot since then. Um, but this is what I heard. Uh, why don't you make a list for, of things that you want in your future spouse? And, and be specific on that list. Jot those things down, write them down, and pray for them. So I want to give you, or I want to share with you just a few things that I prayed for. Um, and I prayed for that, one, that she would love God with all her heart. I wanted someone that was a believer, that was a Christian, someone that held those values really high like I did. And, and then... I prayed for a Mexican woman, um, uh, that she would speak Spanish, uh, because I wanted her to conversate with my mother, because my mother, uh, she, she knows a little bit of, of English, but it's mostly Spanish. So I wanted her to talk and, and have conversations with my mother. I valued that a lot, that she would have a great sense of humor, um, uh, I would consider myself a person that, you know, has a, a, you know, decent sense of humor. So I would want my, my wife to have a good sense of humor. Uh, that, she would have, that she would be faithful and committed. Because those are very high on the list for me. And then, finally, I prayed for, uh, for physical attributes, you know. So, I mean, I was specific to the T. And, and I prayed for that list. I prayed for her for a while before the Lord brought her along. Um, but I think that it's, it, it would be necessary to say, I not only prayed for her, but I prayed for myself as well, that God would mold me, shape me to be the husband that she would need, right? It, it goes both ways. So God answered my prayer in my beautiful wife, Anna Karen. And it was evident to me and, and I didn't waste any time, you know, I, I, it was like three months and I asked her to marry me, you know, and it's, it was just crazy. So I'll leave it at that. All right. So fellas, if you're having trouble coming up with a good list of attributes that you want in your future spouse, you can look in Proverbs chapter 31 verses 10 through 31. So let's go through that list. A wife of noble character who, who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She, she is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her husband or for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about, about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the, the staff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. She, her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. And I don't know if you've heard the saying, which I'm pretty sure you have, behind a good man is an even better woman, right? Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes she is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, 
her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but, but you surpass them all. Charm is deception, deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. So I would encourage you, go back through that, uh, through those scriptures, read it through, think about it, um, you know, and, and make that list. And then here are a couple more verses for you ladies, okay? So Colossians chapter 3, verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 32, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, right? But I am talking about Christ and the church. So other translations say that for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife or cleave to his wife. It is very important for a man to know his role in the family household, to know his role as a husband, because the weight the weight that was bestowed or given to the family is placed on the man. And it is very important for you to know how to treat your wife and when your kids come, how to be a good father. So when you love your wife as Christ loved the church, then you think about the life of Jesus Christ. He gave himself for her. He gave himself up for her. He took a lot of stuff that most people would not. Uh, he took a lot of blame, uh, cursing, um, people turning their backs on him. He, t he endured so much, right? So if a man loves his wife as Christ loves the church, then we must see and we must understand that we're called to do the same in our household. And as difficult as it may be, we can only do it with the, with the strength of the Lord, you know? So it is so important for us to know God, to believe in Jesus Christ, and to, be, and to work to be that godly husband, that godly father that our families need. Anything that is built with a good and strong foundation will last for a very long time. So think about a house. So I started working in the construction field when I was a teenager, um, building homes um, in, in McKinney, Texas. And, you know, it, as, as fun as it was, I knew and I learned that the most important thing on a house is a strong foundation, is a well-built, strong foundation. If the foundation is not built well, then over time, it's going to crack and it's going to fail. So in order to have a strong foundation, you have to work hard and you have to do a good job at building that foundation. Now, I remember a house when I was um, doing uh, remodel work for another, for a, a man that, that I worked for in, in Sunnyvale, here in Sunnyvale. And it was amazing to me because they were, they were cutting these holes in the ground uh, with this big machine uh, to, to pour in concrete for some piers. 30 feet deep with a bell at the bottom, all right? You construction folks know what I'm talking about. I'm trying my best to explain. But so they, they built these piers, and they put them in on the, you know, underneath the foundation in areas where they knew it was weak or could possibly, over time, crack because the earth shifts and moves 
right, which causes, uh, you know, here in Texas, which, which causes a lot of foundations to be, uh, to have cracks and to be, to have problems. So it was amazing to me because they put in a bunch of them in this foundation. So marriage is, is kind of that way, you know, I would recommend that you would build a, a strong foundation before you get married. So let's look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, anyone or everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came, uh, came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations built, uh, on the rock, built on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came, the stream rose, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So through our engagement, Anna Karen and I, we went through a series of premarital counseling books that helped us build a solid foundation. One of those was uh, Saving Your Marriage Before, it's, before it Starts. Uh, the other one was uh, The Five Languages of Love. And then another one was uh, Love and Respect. All of these books helped us understand the role of a husband and the role of a, of a wife. And how to live peaceably, uh, how to properly love and to have a good communication with each other. So let me quickly share. There's so much to talk about, right? But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep it short here. Uh, so let me share, let me quickly share the main verse of love and respect that the book was written on, which is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. So it says, However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Okay, so let's park here for a second. So we're expected, husbands, we're expected to love our wives unconditionally, right? So to, to a woman, that is a no, no, no big deal, not a, you know, no-brainer. Yes, I will be, I want to be loved by my husband unconditionally, right? But then what does the last part of that verse say? It says, and the wife must respect her husband. So what this book, what it, what it teaches is that men feel loved when they're respected. Especially from their wives. And this also is unconditional, right? So it, it's both ways. It goes both ways. So we as husbands love our wives unconditionally. And then wives, respect your husbands unconditionally because the word says that when you respect your husbands, they feel loved, right? So that's, there you go. All right, so now let's move on into marriage. I believe it is supposed to be something wonderful, enjoyable, and long-lasting. Proverbs 18.22 reads, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So it's good. It's good to be married. In premarital counseling, if the couple doesn't have children, I recommend, I personally recommend to wait a minimum of one year before they start having babies. In De Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 5, it reads, if a man has recently married, he must not be sent to war or have any other duty laid on him. For one year, he is to be free to stay at home and bring happiness to the wife he is married. So, in, in, in those old times, obviously, God knew the importance of spending that one year, that first year, committed with each other, having fun, enjoying each other, going out to vacations, you know, uh, date nights, you know, all of those things that you enjoy, that we all enjoy uh, with our special loved ones. So that's what I would recommend when we're doing premarital counseling, um, because it's going to be difficult for you to spend those special moments when babies come. When those kids come, they take up so much of your time. They take up 
<laughs> you know, and it's difficult. It is difficult to raise kids, to raise, uh, you know, toddlers. And, and from what I've heard, you know, I've got six, five, and three years, three-year-old boys from what I've heard. I'm not there yet. I know my day's coming. But uh, teenagers are a whole different ball game, right? So pray for me. <laughs> All right, so what if your marriage has uh, problems? What if you're having difficult times in your marriage? Throughout the years, I've heard married couples say, married couples that have been married for a long time say to younger couples, you know, just wait, like number three was the worst for us, or number five was the worst, or the number seven was the worst. And, and you know, I, I don't think they're saying it out of uh, something, I don't think they're trying to discourage you or us. It's just their reality, it's their experience. But I choose to believe that that's not true. I choose to believe that it shouldn't be that way. You know, allow me to share a gold nugget with you, okay? That, it, that I have learned through, through men in my life that deeply love their wives. Your marriage will start going downhill if you stop working at it, okay? So what will happen if you start, stop working or doing your job? So let me ask you, what will happen if you stop doing your job or you, or you stop doing the things that your workplace is asking you to do, right? Sooner or later, you're going to get fired. Um, you're going to lose your job because you're not doing the job you were hired to do. So marriage in this is, is very much the same. We need to work at our marriage. Working in our marriage never stops. So Put in the work. Never stop date nights. What, what happens is that we, we get married, we, we think, ooh, I got her, right? I got her. I don't need to do any more hard work. I don't need to bring flowers to the house. The things that you used to do, right, when you were, when you were dating, going to the movies, enjoying restaurants, you know, together, the, all those things. We stop date nights. But date nights are so important, right? Especially when you have kids. Because, like I said, kids take up a lot of your time. So, men, we encourage you, put in, schedule in those date nights with your wife. Serve one another. Serving, <laughs> it never stops, you know? We, we, we can't come home and, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of it as well. All right, because I, you know, I go to work and I'm tired, I'm exhausted. I just want to go home and just relax, right? But serve one another. So when we have dinner at home after dinner, this is something that I've put into practice recently. My wife must have been praying for years on this, right? But I just say, <laughs> my my wife says, Amen. If, just in case you didn't hear. So, you know, so recently, um, when, when we're done with dinner, I will clean up the dishes. And thank goodness, I hate cleaning dishes. Thank goodness for dishwashers. You know, I just rinse the food and put it in the dishwasher. But, you know, that's, that's something that I've put into practice here recently, right? It's, it's to serve one another. And, you know, there are other things. But there, that's one of the things that I'm mentioning. All right. So you help each other out. You are there with, the, with each other. You help with the kids. You help in the house. You help outside the house. So many things. And then communicate. L continue that line of communication, you know. So sometimes we'll go out into our patio and we'll just sit down and, and we'll just talk. Talk about the day. Um, you know, I like to... It's not that I like to, but it's kind of crazy what my kids do to my wife uh, and the things that they, you know, just say and do. And I'm just like, <laughs> man, I, you know, I truly believe that is one of the most difficult things a woman can do 
is to, is to be at home. My wife stays at home, and she's raising our three boys. And I think that that is the hardest job, one of the hardest jobs in the world. So, you know, I just, you know, I, I feel compassion for her. And at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Because if it were me, I'd send them to daycare. I could not do it. They would drive me crazy. Anyway, uh, moving on. So uh, avoid divorce if at all possible, right? This can be a separate sermon of its own, but because I'm, I'm running out of time here, uh, I just want to share a few things on this topic. In your marriage, never joke about or never joke or, uh, about divorce, the word divorce, right? And, you know, we, that's something that happened even in our marriage in the beginning. We would kind of jokingly say the word, but, but we made a commitment to each other that we wouldn't joke around and say the word divorce because divorce isn't a, a laughing matter or even a joking matter. Malachi chapter 2, verse 16, it reads, The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. In other words, God hates divorce, right? So fight for your marriage. Work hard through the difficult times and the, and the difficult moments. If you endure, what a blessing and a testimony it will be to your family, to your kids, and to the people around you. If your marriage is in trouble, you can overcome it. You can overcome it. God is in the business of restoration, healing, and is committed to you. You must know that. But you, but you have to. You, you have to allow God to come into your marriage to help you in this process. And it's a process. Maybe you have asked God to come into your marriage and to help you, to restore, to heal your marriage. But you're not seeing any results. It's difficult. And, and you might not like what I'm about to say, Sometimes it, it's, it takes time. We, God's timing is not our timing. And we must persevere. We must be patient. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. It's, it's going to be hard. But what a wonderful thing that we can have God come into our marriage and help us. But not only that, but we have a church family that we can rely on, that, that we can bring alongside us to help us. That's what we're here for, is to serve one another, to encourage one another, to, to laugh when, we, when other people laugh, to go through moments of sorrow with other people that are, that are sorrowful, you know? It is to fight as well as... Uh, you know, fight the fight with, with what you're fighting with, you know? So you have to endure. You have to keep going, all right? If, if you don't have a pastor, um, there are plenty of counseling centers that, that you can uh, search for, that you can find, that you can go and get marriage counseling. Um, we must humble ourselves and, and, you know, if it's to that point where you feel like you can't fix it, then maybe that's what you need is marriage counseling, uh, professional marriage counseling. Or it could be that you go and ask your pastor uh, for marriage counseling, you know, um, that person that, that you love that you can trust, you know. Uh, when, when, if, if you were to go to find a uh, counseling center, I would recommend a Christian one, um, but outside of that, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of professional, uh, secular counseling centers, if that's what you prefer. All right, so the last thing, I, and I want to finish with this. If divorce happens, God still loves you, and he is still there with you, right? And he will continue to do so for the rest of your life. 
He will never cast you aside because of this, because of what happened. So trust in God, fight for your marriage, and pray for one another because you can overcome this, okay? So to recap, uh, choose your spouse wisely, pray for her, pray for him, enjoy, or build a good and strong foundation before you get married, enjoy, uh, enjoy a work, that wasn't right, um, work at your marriage so that it is long-lasting, so enjoy your marriage and work at it, and then avoid divorce if at all possible. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for your promises. And we pray, Lord, for those that are single, uh, for our young, uh, the, the young generation, our young people. We pray, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom to choose their spouses wisely. It is a, it is a daunting task for some, but we can trust in you and rely on you that you can provide that special someone. And then, Father, as they prepare for their marriage, uh, in their engagement, we pray, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom and the strength to build a good foundation, a solid, strong foundation for their marriage. And Lord, um, we pray for marriages that are going through difficult times, that are on the rocks. We lift them up to you, Lord, and we pray that you would soften their hearts, that you would provide uh, those counselors, whether it be pastors, whether it be uh, godly men or women. Um, we pray, Lord, that you would be with them and help them however long it takes. Give them the strength to surpass this, these very difficult moments and days. And then, Lord, uh, we pray, Father, that those that you have already raised up, that you have given the victory of persevering in their marriage, that you would use them uh, to encourage us as we grow in, in, in our marriage and grow in our faith and in our, um, in, every, in our everyday life. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. All right, so uh, thank you for joining us this morning. God bless you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you. And we love you. See you later.